Friday. Hey everyone, it's December 9th, 2022. So, we have some breaking news. Kristen Cinema has left the Democratic Party. This follows an exodus of many liberals, including former Congresswoman and presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard. Also, the House passes the NDAA bill, which supposedly will repeal the vaccine mandate for U.S. servicemen and women. It seems like a bait and switch, though, because the Biden administration says it's against the move. The singer, Celine Dion, has a rare disease after bragging about getting her COVID injection. Go figure. And I'll be talking about the Twitter files and whether Elon Musk will make clear exactly how much involvement intelligence agencies have on the platform and whether the platform's objective of shaping public opinion is controlled by the state. So I'll be talking about these things and more. Coming up right now. So um, this is from the Wall Street Journal. We're going to start off here um, with the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Senator Kristen Sinema leaves Democratic Party to become independent. Now, she's not joining the Republicans, but this makes it clear that she is going to provide a check and a balance given that the Senate was... um, in Democratic control. The lawmaker from Arizona had often disagreed with the leadership on major legislation. Also from CNN Politics, a cinema leaving the Democratic Party and registering as an independent. And from Axios, Kristen Cinema goes independent, scrambles the Senate. And I'll just read the lead here. From Axios, why it matters. It's a political earthquake that's gonna shake uh, shake up the Senate just three days after Democrats thought they had secured a 51 to 49 majority, indeed. She's up in 2024, a risk primary from uh, Representative uh, Ruben Galago, uh, Arizona on the left. Arizonans, including many registered as Democrats or Republicans, are eager for leaders who focus on common sense solutions rather than party doctrine, Cinema says in an op-ed in the Arizona Republic, her state's largest paper. That's why I've joined the the growing number of Arizonans who reject party politics by declaring my independence from from the broken partisan system in Washington. Cinema, ever unpredictable and inscrutable, told Senate Majority Leader Schumer of her decision yesterday, a Democratic aide told Axios Andrew Solander. She's expected to maintain her committees through the Democrats. I know some people might think be a little surprised by this, but actually I think it makes a lot of sense. I've never fit neatly into any party box. I've never really tried. I don't want to. Removing myself from partisan structure not only is true to who I am, but how I operate. I also think I'll provide a place of belonging for many folks across the state and country who are tired of the partisanship. Indeed, um, but I'll tell you what, Kristen, that you're probably going to have more people follow you into the restroom, particularly Democratic activists. 
This is from the New York Times. House passes a $158 billion defense bill repealing vaccine mandate for troops. The legislation would rescind the coronavirus vaccine mandate in defiance of the Joe Biden administration's wishes and increase the defense budget $45 billion over the president's request, which was to keep it the same. I'm not sure. Let's read into the article a little bit more. The legislation negotiated by Republicans and Democrats in both chambers of Congress would grant a 4.6 raise to the military personnel and increase the Pentagon's budget by $45 billion over President Biden's request, providing $800 million in new security aid to Ukraine and billions to Taiwan. It also includes changes sought by lawmakers to the military's policy for handling sexual assault cases, a major victory that along eluded its proponents. The bill delivers twin repudiations to Mr. Biden's policies. I thought he just had a mandate. Increases the defense budget 8% overall when he has pressed to keep it nearly flat and moving to reverse a vaccine mandate that his top officials have fought to retain. And with Republicans taking control of the House in January, it essentially locked in the kind of large increases in military budgets that Mr. Biden and Democrats had hoped to end while they had unified control of the government. And then uh, John Kirby, spokesman for the National Security Council, called the repeal of the vaccine requirement for troops a mistake and blamed Republicans who said had politicized the bill, but he had stopped short of saying Mr. Bi- Mr. Biden would veto it. I'd like to see him veto it. Um, I don't agree in increased spending, certainly, whether it's the military or anything else. I do agree on repealing the vaccine mandate, and I doubt that the Democrats were really against an increase in spending. They never are, but to placate their uh, their constituents, they probably did uh, publicly say that they were against an increase in military spending, although um, they're not opposed to increases in spending. Obviously, that's a Democrat's playbook, but publicly they're going to say they're against it. I imagine Biden will sign the bill and they're going to put all the increases on the Republicans. Um, I'm not for increased military spending. I'm not really, as a conservative, not for increased spending, period, whether it's military or otherwise. The only thing the Republicans believe military spending is because it's constitutional. Uh, A lot of the other spending isn't constitutional, but I don't believe in increased spending either or. So this is from Bloomberg. uh, End of COVID zero threatens to overwhelm China with infections. This is a bunch of bullshit. More scare tactics uh, with COVID. I just got uh, another strike. I posted like two videos. I got another strike for talking about COVID on YouTube. And the only reference was the Washington Post article that was reported on the New Zealand uh, couple who had their child taken away because they didn't want a blood transfusion with vaccinated blood. I mean, they're the parents. I suppose it's their right. But in New Zealand, they consider that child endangerment and so they took away the child so i got another strike on youtube for posting that so i won't be posting there for a while i don't want to end my channel but but i can certainly talk about covid here uh on these other two channels rumble um and BitChute, and uh the other platforms i'm on including anchor and spotify so bloomberg uh, reports this china faces a daunting uh task after abruptly giving up on covid zero so bloomberg is touting covid zero and all the lockdowns uh, the draconian rules that there were set up and bloomberg is favoring that even though china has not had any covid deaths but they've had a rise in infections and who knows if there was actually just a ploy to to 
clamp down on dissidents. Uh, it's an easy, that's what they want to do here. They just blame COVID and they can go around arresting people or locking them in their homes or doing what have you. Um, this is just, like I said, I just believe that the whole thing was a ploy to get control over the populace. This is from the Daily Mail. Celine Dion, 54, is diagnosed with an incurable neurological disease. Tearful singer reveals she has a rare one-in-a-million stiff person syndrome that turns sufferers into human statues. All I can say is, and since this won't be on YouTube, I can say that uh, there are a lot of people coming up with strange maladies after receiving the vaccine. She was a vaccine proponent. There you go. Who knows how she contracted this disease? I believe in disease causality is that you don't just get disease, although you might be genetically uh, disposed to the disease, uh, science has shown that these genes um, can turn on or off given uh, different uh, environmental factors. So who knows why you get this experimental injection of mRNA, which lowers your immune system, so and which may turn on these genetically uh, disposed um, switches within your body. So who knows? I don't really like Celine Dion. I hope she gets better. I don't want to see anybody suffer, obviously. But, you know, there are a lot of people dying, period. Unexpectedly, now you look at all obituaries, nobody even gives the cause of death. It's all died unexpectedly or died suddenly uh, and not from a long illness or from a car accident or whatever. Um, it's their, I guess it's people's right not to release cause of death, but especially in this day and age, if you want to rule out that it was vaccine-induced, um, you could put, uh, you know, how they died. You know, they s fell in the bathtub or whatever. Again, from Axios, uh, Musk's second Twitter files claims, claims secret blacklists. Of course, Axios. Um, outside journalists, outside journalists. You know, this is funny because we talk about... A mischaracterization all the time with the New York Times, but all news, uh, and it's very slight, all news outlets do this because it's actually the news outlets that are under assault with this um, because they all went along with this. Outside journalists. What does that mean, outside journalists? That means they're outside um, the establishment journalism. So the outside, they're, they're working outside or what, at a picnic table? Outside journalists working with Twitter owner Elon Musk posted new batch of internal communications from the company Thursday night with what they said was evidence of the firm's uh, employees built blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending and actively limit the visibility of the entire accounts. And you're going to have people like Kara Switcher come out and say, well, it's not censorship, it's moderation or it's curation or whatever, and it's legal to do what they did. This is the this is the public square for you know uh, for no other description of it. it's a public square. My point is, and I'm going to go into that uh, this in just a minute, is Twitter and social media was built for the purpose of shaping public opinion, and that's what the intelligence agencies use it for, whether with bots or actual agents in there. And you could see, just like uh, Project Mockingbird, if people aren't familiar, which put intelligence agents in and connected to uh, major news outlets, this is just, they're doing the same thing here within Twitter, Facebook, and Google's uh, YouTube. Um, it's uh, uh, Project Mockingbird 2.0. 
And you could see there was an FBI asset uh, with this guy, Jim Baker, who was in there deciding what what should be released and how public opinion should be shaped. And, and that's what they don't understand, whether it's curated or not. This is uh, as if you ever watch, if, if you did watch Tucker Carlson last night, he had a great, um, he had Jason Whitlock on who put it out perfectly. Twitter and social media are propaganda tools that are used to shape public opinion. Jason Whitlock went so far as saying is that it's mind control and which it is to a sense uh, because they focus group and test to see what kind of people and how to convince people and how to nudge people in their perception and all these things that it really is mind control and the amount of science that's involved in convincing people of certain things that may or may not be true. The real purveyors of misinformation and disinformation are indeed the state, the establishment, and social media, because what they do is they lie by omission or they outright lie. You had Newt Gingrich come out and just said, the Democratic Party is a bunch of liars, but they fall short of calling them cheaters, which they also do. So why it matters, Musk has uh, has framed the Twitter files as an effort to show that his predecessors at Twitter engage in censorship. Others, including experts in online platforms, say the documents just depict Twitter executives imperfectly but conscientiously struggling to apply policies in difficult cases, Axios. In a series of tweets, newsletters, and authors of the New York Times opinion Columnist Barry Weiss highlighted cases where Twitter has limited the distribution and recommend recommendation of tweets. And it goes on and on and on. Um, and we can see where this is going. This is basically uh, Axios and many of the mainstream media is gonna label it as curated or moderated. The fact is, is that they're shaping public opinion with the help of intelligence agencies and most particularly seeing the FBI in this guy, Jim Baker. Uh, he obviously is a propaganda expert because he was involved in Russiagate and now he's involved in Twitter when this thing drops. And even though the FBI had the laptop uh, and the Hunter Biden laptop, um, they still uh, caused that story to be blocked by the New York Post, even though they knew that it was authentic. The reason why I want to get into this, again, I'm going to harp on this, is it was a partnership I speculate, I believe, between the International Center of Nonviolent Conflict, um, and we're going to go into its founder in just a minute, um, but they and Twitter and the CIA devised a plan to orchestrate overthrows by shaping public opinion through the uh, intelligence bots that were on Twitter and other social media platforms, but particularly with the Arab Spring on Twitter, um, to shape public opinion and to get people out in the streets to protest and actually overthrow governments. So the uh, International Center for Nonviolent Conflict focuses on how ordinary people wage nonviolent conflict to win rights, freedoms, and justice. Basically, this is how the CIA and this organization determined how public opinion can be formed and instigated um, through platforms like Twitter and social media, among other things, among direct messages and actual um, text messages at Al, uh, emails or a number of different ways that you can wage nonviolent conflict to overthrow governments. 
Now, we're going to talk a little bit about its founder, Peter Ackerman, an American businessman and founder and former chairman of American Elect and the founding chair of the International Center of Nonviolent Conflict. Ackerman was a managing director at Rockport Capital and, and served as a member of IREX Global Advisory Council. What was IREX? an international nonprofit organization that specializes in global education and development. And you got to understand these, um, <laughs> these, um, uh, <laughs> these nonprofits, the NGOs, um, are a lot of times cover for intelligence, um, work, uh, internationally or, uh, <laughs> globally. So we're not going to go into his life, uh, uh, dispute resolution career, Albert Einstein Institution. I just want to go into his the fact that it lists his death here. Ackerman died on April 26, 2022 of this year. Um, and this is TV Death Ray. It doesn't list. At this publication, we don't know what caused his death, which may, may never be revealed. And the reason is either he died of the vaccine or he was murdered because as I brought up many times, he was at the center of this thing with Twitter and the Arab Spring. And the last American vagabond um, has reported the Arab Spring and the business of the CIA funded revolutions. And it goes into uh, all the things that they do abroad using Twitter and other social media. Also, if you know uh, about Webster Tarpley, here's an article from his website, the CIA fake Arab Spring becoming a long, hot summer of war. The Obama regime courts world conflagration, imperial overstretch threatens as U.S., NATO wage five wars, Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, Libya, and Yemen. And this was back in 2011. And he talks about the Arab Spring. The Arab Spring made in the USA. This is from Dissident Voice. Arabesque, it talks about the new book, Devotes much of the attention to personalities leading to the 2011 uprising. Some openly admitted to receiving CIA funding. Others had no idea because it was deliberately concealed from them. A few in Egypt and Syria were officially charged with espionage. In Egypt, seven sought refuge in the U.S. Embassy in Cairo and had to be evacuated by the State Department. None were spontaneous. All required careful and lengthy planning. Five-plus years by the State Department. CIA passed through foundations, George Soros and the pro-Israel lobby, all focused exclusively on removing reviled despots. No Arab Spring protests made any reference whatsoever to powerful anti-U.S. sentiment over Palestine and Iraq. All the instigators of the Arab Spring uprisings were middle-class, well-educated, and who mysteriously vanished after 2011. Nonviolent regime change begins with introducing nonviolent guru Gene Sharp, and Gene Sharp uh, was um, the conduit between the CIA and Peter Ackerman at the International Center for Nonviolent Conflict. And Gene Sharp, <laughs> with his links to the Pentagon U.S. intelligence and his role as director of the Albert Einstein Institution. And if we can go back um, to Peter Ackerman, he also studied at the uh, Albert Einstein Institute. Here we go. While at Tufts, he studied under James Sharp and Robert Platzcrab, Ackerman's thesis, Strategic Aspects of Nonviolent Resistance Movement. In, 18, in 1983, Ackerman helped to fund the Albert Einstein Institution. 
founded by his former PhD supervisor, Gene Sharp. So going back, uh, the U.S. goal in the Arab Spring revolutions was to replace un unpopular despotic dictators who, while taking care to maintain the autocratic U.S.-friendly infrastructure that had brought them into power, all initially followed the nine violent precepts Sharp outlines in a 1994 book from dictatorship to democracy in Libya, Sermon, Syria, and Yemen, and the U.S., their allies, clearly prepared to introduce paid mercenaries with their Sharpian revolutions, failed to produce regime change. Follow the money. And then they talk about NED and USA training in social. In his book, Ben Sada focuses most heavily on the Tahir Square uprising in Egypt. The Washington Post had estimated approximately 10,000 Egyptians took part in the NED and USAID training in social media and nonviolent organizing techniques. For me, the most astonishing information in this chapter concerns the role of Egyptian exile in accordance with a Tahir, Square, a Tahir Square protest from his office in Washington, D.C., NED paid Solomon a yearly stipend of 200000 And then from the HuffPost, the Arab Spring and the CIA, one year on, one year after the first stirrings of the Arab Spring, we are still beginning to digest the implications of the momentous turn of events, yet as commentators debate the political, economic, and religious consequences of the uprising, Tunisia, Egypt, Libya, and Syria, and elsewhere, few have discerned their impact in the less conspicuous quarters, yet far from the spotlight and media attention, the effects of the Arab Spring are also rippling through the murky world of intelligence gathering. Minds of the movement. Did the Arab Spring revolutions bring more violence to the Middle East? Well, it, it, the failed state of Libya still exists as such. Facebook, uh, this is A, this is UAE. Facebook and Twitter key to Arab Spring uprising. Social media bedded, if not enabled, the historic region-wide uprisings of early 2011. And this is from Dubai. And The Guardian, the truth about Twitter, Facebook, and the uprisings in the Arab world. Recent events in Libya, Tunisia, and Egypt have called Twitter revolutions, but can social networking overthrow a government or a correspondent from the Middle East? And I went to this article before. It basically is a whitewash. Um, and they don't talk, in all these early articles from 2011, they don't talk about Twitter bots, which were really only discovered later on, um, but they were already well involved. Um, and then this is from uh, Mike, Twitter revolution, how the Arab Spring was helped by social media. As a result, and this is from 2000, so, uh, as a result of technological advancements and innovations that have uh, revolutionized how individuals communicated and abundance of information became available to everyone, blah, 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 being capable of sharing an immense amount of uncensored and accurate, <laughs> uncensored and accurate information throughout social networking sites. <laughs> I guess uh, that's not the, that's not the case, right? Social networks have broken down psychological barriers, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they don't, see, back then in 2012, they don't talk about the censorship and the bots um, and, and the fact that tw uh, places like Twitter, social media platforms, are a tool to manufacture consensus and public opinion. Not surprising at all. That's what people have to realize. Is, is Musk ever going to release information about intelligence bots probably not because national security secret are they going to talk about is he is he going to talk about twitter's involvement in the arab spring uprisings probably not so those two things are connected
And the key conduit is Gene Sharp and the International Center for Nonviolent Conflict and Peter Ackerman, who is now dead, um, died mysteriously. Uh, that's funny how those conduits got, uh, you know, you start fucking around with the CIA, you're surprised if you end up dead. Right, so for me, social media, follow me there. Twitter, Facebook, get our minds, True Social, and even Parlor. not on Mastodon, I'm not on Hive. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, click the notification bell, and leave a comment down below. I need engagement. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you Monday. This is a conspiracy. This is...